The PBS NewsHour podcast is supported in part by Dana-Farber Cancer Institute. What if we could block a protein to stop runaway cell division? Dana-Farber Cancer Institute laid the foundation for CDK4-6 inhibitors, drugs designed to treat many advanced breast cancers. Learn more at DanaFarber.org slash everywhere. Nearly half a century after its birth from a bloody civil war, Bangladesh has made significant strides in reducing poverty. One of the best-known architects of this progress is Muhammad Yunus, who popularized the concept of microfinance. But Yunus has run afoul of his country's prime minister and has faced a series of legal challenges and now criminal charges. Fred DeSam Lazaro has our report, part of his series, Agents for Change. He's won the Presidential Medal of Freedom and the Congressional Medal of Honor. Make no mistake, Muhammad Yunus is a genius. Nearly a half century ago, this Vanderbilt-trained economist left a teaching career in Tennessee, saying he was called to serve his newly independent, war-shattered nation. People were dying of hunger, uh, and I find myself in a very strange situation teaching elegant theories of economics. Those uh, elegant theories have no uh, uh, use for people who are dying. He did test one economic theory, offering a few women loans to start small enterprises like a poultry farm. It worked, he told me in this 2001 interview. People are paying back and they paid back every penny without any hitch. So I got very excited. So I thought I should have my own bank. The Grameen Bank grew quickly, 97% owned by millions of its female borrowers, success that earned him the Nobel Peace Prize in 2006. Today, Grameen has a large footprint in Bangladeshi society, far beyond micro-lending with affiliated companies that sell cell phone service and food products. There's even a nursing school. Its global reach includes Grameen America, which last year loaned $1 billion to low-income Americans. All profits are plowed back into expanding the mission. Yunus has won friends in the highest places across the globe, except at home. In January, Yunus, who's 83, and three senior Grameen colleagues were sentenced to six months in prison for violating labor laws, charges he calls politically motivated. He was released on bail, but this case is only the beginning of his legal troubles. He faces more than a hundred other charges of labor law violations and graft. What's life like as you uh, go into work these days? Well, not very comfortable. I reached Yunus in his Dachau office, where days earlier a group of about 35 men appeared unannounced to take over and began padlocking the place at the end of each day. They said, we are the new management of this. Uh, I mean, bank that is under uh, government control these days. Uh, we went to the police. Police would not help us. This latest disruption is a dramatic escalation of actions targeting Yunus that began in 2011 when he was removed as chair of the Grameen Bank. Because government rule doesn't permit anybody to remain in government job uh, after 60. I said, this is not a government bank. This is a bank owned by the poor women. Anyway, I was forced out. Can you help explain what is at the root of this antagonism? Uh, it beats me. What's not in doubt is that his chief antagonist is the country's prime minister. She calls me as a, a bloodsucker of the pe poor people. 
Sheikh Hasina recently won a fourth term in elections widely discredited and boycotted by opposition parties. Most of their leaders are in prison. She's publicly denounced Yunus as a corrupt opportunist in a spat that experts trace back to 2007 and a time of political upheaval, when Yunus toyed with forming his own party. It was at the urging of the country's military leaders, he says, and short-lived. About 10 weeks, that's about it. And after the end of these 10 weeks, I declared that, no, I'm not going to create any party because I cannot uh, uh, handle politics. Uh, that's my, not my cup of tea. But experts say Prime Minister Hasina might still perceive Yunus, a revered civic figure, as a political threat. Despite pleas from more than 200 global luminaries, from former President Obama to U2's Bono, to end the, quote, legal harassment, the campaign against Yunus has only intensified. This case is an example, uh, is weaponization of judiciary. Political scientist Ali Riaz at Illinois State University says Sheikh Hasina has tightened her grip on power. Geopolitical realities allow her to resist Western pressure, he says, and the Eunice case sends a chilling message domestically. Prime Minister has received you know, unqualified support from two powers, that is Russia and China. Not to mention India. India has been the principal backer of this government since 2009. And this is the message to the Bangladeshis that if Professor Yunus can be prosecuted and punitive measures can be taken, you and nobody, we can take, do anything. So what might Professor Yunus be facing in the weeks and months ahead? I'm afraid he might actually end up in, in jail. I, I'm sorry to say that it, it, it breaks my heart to say, but it, it could happen. Government officials insist the judicial process is independent of political interference. We contacted the Bangladesh Embassy in Washington for comment, but did not receive a response. I, as the chairman of the, these companies, never received any salary, uh, any kind of uh, uh, fee for my attending meetings, nothing. For his part, Yunus continues to assert his innocence. He says he's received several offers of asylum abroad, but has ruled out exile. This is where I work with my work, people who have worked together for years and years. Uh, we don't, I don't want to abandon them and go someplace else. I cannot do that. He has a bail hearing on March 3rd, also the date when an anti-corruption commission is scheduled to release what many colleagues fear will be incriminating results from a years-long investigation of Eunice's activities. For the PBS NewsHour, I'm Fred DeSam Lazaro. And Fred's reporting is a partnership with the Undertold Stories Project at the University of St. Thomas in Minnesota. This PBS NewsHour podcast is supported in part by Wondery. In the decades before the Civil War, slavery's grip on America tightened. But soon, a diverse group of abolitionists, both black and white, began to construct a clandestine path to freedom for the enslaved. The Underground Railroad. Fugitive slaves and anyone helping them face terrible violence and even death if caught. But for those brave enough to risk the journey, the Underground Railroad offered a path to the northern states and Canada, where their freedom was assured. Hosted by Lindsey Graham, Wondery's podcast, American History Tellers, takes you to the events, times, and people that shaped America and Americans, our values, our struggles, and our dreams. Follow American History Tellers on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge this season American History Tellers, The Underground Railroad, early and ad-free, right now on Wondery+. Plus.